Rolling, bruh. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 771, January 14th, 2022. 49 degrees was the high on this day. That happened in 1944. And it was 26 below on two occasions, 1963 and 1972. I'm not done. Okay. Come on, hold up. Sunset today is at 456. Love that. On January 1st, it was 4.42. So how, what have we gained? Yeah, 14, 14 minutes. seconds. I meant minutes. 14 minutes. minutes. 14 minutes. That's why we who are in good standing in the Royal Order of the 21sters appreciate the oncoming force oh of spring God. every day, day by day. Get the music, Chris. Get yeah, the music. Hell. And now, just from the mayor's office. Above the boathouse. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Got the whole gang today. Is your flashlight back together? I like when the whole gang's here. I do too. And keeper of common sense, your mayor. Joe Sushiman. We have a very fun experiment coming up today that I'll tell you about. I'll see. Volcano? No. It's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Okay. And uh first uh, we have a wide variety of responses to the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul issuing their mask mandate, most principally for basically it's for places that have a liquor license. Apparently, you don't need one of these to go into McDonald's, a mask. Right. That's how I understand it. Correct. And, and, and why the liquor industry is being picked on, people are not getting out there and being bleep-faced and not wearing their masks. All right, let's go through these variety of responses which represent a great deal of the thinking in Gumption <clears throat> County. Howard Claris writes, okay, everybody, take a breath. Do we like it? No. Are people going to bitch about it? Yes. Anything we can do about it? Not until we get the elites out of office so effectively, no. What do we do uh, What do we do we until we can run the rascals out on a rail? Live as best we can. Follow their stupid rules. <coughs> Perfect health. Sure. Excuse me. Go out to eat and bring your paperwork, mask, resume, and a complete list of references. I'm sick of thinking about this, so I'm going to live my life. And today I just booked tickets to a concert in St. Paul at the Palace Theater in late January. First thing I was alerted to was the requirement for proof of COVID-19 vaccination. Am I irritated? Yes. Is it going to stop me? No. I want to move forward and enjoy what there is to offer while it's still available. So sick of thinking about this, Howard. Okay, that was a response. Okay. Very measured response. Here's from Cal Fralick. He is the uh, Annandale High School science department chair and head boys track coach and academic all-state coordinator track and field. He represents the successful academy, not the failed academy. Okay. Mayor, a couple of quick comments on yesterday's show before I brave the elements and go to school. Number one, the requirement to show a vaccine card at a restaurant. Sorry. Lou Gehrig. The requirement to show a vaccine card at a restaurant. What? No, Matt. What are you doing? I'm waving at everybody. I just logged on. <laughs> are you reading emails? Hold on. Let me just uh, let me just hit this. And now, I think screeching tires what would be more sunset? appropriate. <laughs> exactly. What is sunset today? Screeching tires. 
Cal writes, number one, the requirement to show a vaccine card at a restaurant is a call to those that have the card to get out there and support those people that have had this mandate thrust upon them. If you have a card and you are and you opt to stay home and pout because you think the rule is unfair and you shouldn't have to show your card, the only ones who will notice are the restaurants with empty seats. Likewise, if you don't have a card, please don't go out and berate the restaurant staff. It's not their rule. Exactly. Number two. It is often brought up that Fauci changes his opinion all the time. This is the responsible thing to do as new information becomes available. Opinions need to be reformed. It is far worse to form an opinion on little information at the start and then refuse to modify as new information comes out, pushing back and pushing snow out of the land of Lakes Cal. Okay. Um, Did you edit that letter? It sounds like Cal was addressing those issues to me. I did not edit the letter. (laughs) Okay. Because those are the things I brought up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Scott from Inver Grove, who's been our go-to emailer on COVID. Mm-hmm. Hail the flashlight king. Hail, Hail you. you. I want to preface this email by telling you that I think you are a stand-up guy, and he goes on with more compliments that we don't need to read. However, I was extremely disappointed in your lukewarm displeasure to the draconian vaccination card mandate that will now be burdened upon anyone who wishes to eat or drink in St. Paul or Minneapolis bar or restaurant. Mayor, I've been a staunch GLer since the early 90s because I felt that you and your crew were steadfast believers in the principles of common sense in standing up for what is fair and right. Sadly, and in my opinion, the COVID Nazis appear to have successfully broken that spirit and discussion of COVID has become mostly off limits on Garage Logic. Well, I would defend myself right there, Scott. I'll stop right there. Mostly off limits because it's becoming a topic that's too we're, impossible to keep yeah, a handle on. We're, and we're weary. Unlike yourself, I have scoured and studied everything related to COVID-19 over the past two years, having sifted through the lies and false truths on both sides of the aisle. Along this journey, our freedoms and liberties have been chipped away, mandate after mandate, and we are now being forced to show our papers to partake in public food or drink. You admit no malice towards Dr. Anthony Fauci, but I have extensively researched Dr. Fauci and can offer you truth Uh, based testimony that he was in fact a contributor to the development of the SARS-CoV-2 virus and that he is now profiting handsomely from these experimental vaccines. And while vilifying safe and proven therapeutic treatments that would have saved thousands of lives, in my humble opinion, he is disingenuous if not evil as can be witnessed by his actions over the past two years. When this COVID business all started, Garage Logic rang the bell of pushing back, but now what was once a lion's roar is a timid meow, as it seems to be easier to just go on with the flow and drive your boat in the no-wake zone. Mm. I, too, know Pat Mancini, Dave Cassetta, and Tom Reed, and I am friends of Ted and Mike at Shamrocks and Jason and Joe at Digidios. All of these restaurants have weathered every punch thrown their way over the past two years and deserve far better than this. I can tell you firsthand that this new mandate will affect them negatively, which should outrage all of us. You continue to ask, what is the motive behind all of these mandates? Joe, for God's sakes, this is not about keeping people safe or even has much to do with COVID-19, but rather it is about punishing those who have chosen not to comply with their mandates as they need to be silenced or at least brought to their knees. A friendly reminder, continued ambivalence is only playing further into their hands and bringing about the society you always say we will not recognize. Just saying, never afraid, and always pushing back. Scott from Invergrove. Scott had to know that I would love that. He just had to know. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> um, I really did. What did he say about our lion's roar? What? He oh, thinks our lion's roar has been diminished to a cat's meow. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, but isn't it fun that the Supreme Court blocks the ma- uh, vaccine mandate stuff, uh, but yet locally here we're we're dealing with a couple of zealot mares that are shoving it down our May- throat. Maybe our meow is more like this one. Meow, 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 and I'm meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Two more. Two more. I did, by the way, uh, in answer to Scott, I didn't think you were lukewarm, Joe. I thought we were pretty strong, all of us, against the whole thing. Warmly, whole I, you know what I am? Warmly what? confused. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you were lukewarm at all. Well, Scott uh, wasn't his point that we're we'll acquiesce and we'll show our card and we'll do do what the mayors say. Wasn't that his his point? Well, yes, yeah. yeah, and one of the responses from Kel was exactly that: go and support these people. That right. was the other letter, yeah, yeah, the letter before. Yeah. All right, Tom from St. Paul writes, Joe, on Thursday's podcast, you were spot on when you said the Minneapolis and St. Paul's vaccine mandate is a holdup. Wait a minute. Something ain't right moment for a lot of people in regard to the pandemic. When I first heard about the mandate, I was furious. I'm vaccinated and boosted by it, but my initial thought was, I'll be damned if I'm showing my papers in the United States of America. But then I realized that there are any number of instances in a person's life when they're expected to produce identification. Buying booze, for instance, though looking under 21 hasn't been an issue for me for quite a while. Same for cigarettes, real estate transactions, etc. So why am I pushing back so hard on this? I think there are a couple of things about the mandate that bother GLers. First, this is yet another instance of selective creation and enforcement of rules. You've presented countless examples of Minneapolis and St. Paul's refusal to prosecute violent criminals. We live in a progressive bastion where you can beat people senseless for their automobiles and be released on your own recognizance. But you better have your vaccine passport ready if you want to attend a wild game. GLers that either want the laws enforced or none of them. Yep. Reavers unwittingly stumbled. Why is why Reavers do people always think you unwittingly stumble? On I have an idea. <laughs> he really has replaced rookie as the. And it's, be, it's because you do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was going to say it's your fault, Such. You're the one that. And I don't care. I, yeah. It's fine. Reavers unwittingly stumbled upon the most glaring issue with the mandate, and also its Achilles' heel. When he asked the question, "How long till we're required to show proof of vaccine status when we vote?" This got me thinking about voter ID laws. Our president himself recently claimed it's a return to Jim Crow to expect an African-American to produce identification at a polling place. Minorities are, after all, less than in the eyes of progressives and can't possibly be expected to find a Social Security office. So I predict that a week, month, or year from now, when polling and or pushback reveals that the mandate disparately impacts minorities, we'll see a joint press conference from Carter and Fry, wherein they'll announce we've miraculously crossed the hump and the mandate is therefore rescinded. And there's the root of everyone's going on here moment. Joe, I believe most GLers accept that COVID is a public health crisis, but we also suspect that every single decision made related to COVID for at least the past year has been 100% political. But since, as mere citizens, we're not privy to the backroom machinations of city councils, state legislatures, Congress, and the CDC, we're left perpetually skeptical and labeled anti-science for questioning science that changes daily, if not hourly. How 
how or if the Twin Cities vaccine mandate is enforced will go a long way towards quelling or confirming GLer skepticism. Good luck, Tom from St. Paul. What a great email. And finally, from uh, Sanibel, I've got, I've, this is uh, out there in the ether. Sanibel did not write it, but I've received it from many GLers. I don't know who the author is. Uh, hello. Hi. Table for two, please. Uh, sure. And your name? Joe S. Great. And do you and your guest have your vaccination cards? Uh, well, first, can you tell me who our server will be? Um, it looks like Brad will be your server tonight. Great. Can you show us Brad's vaccination card? Um, and also, can you provide me with proof that Brad is not a carrier of HIV, hepatitis A or B, flu, or any other communicable disease? Same for you and the kitchen staff. Um, also, we would prefer not to be served by someone who is on or uses recreational drugs such as marijuana, cocaine, meth, fentanyl, etc. So if you could provide us with Brad's most recent tox screen, that would be great. Matter of fact, I'm going to need to see all of your employees' medical history. Uh, let me get the manager for you. That would be great. Thanks. Make sure that they have their vax card and medical records, please. Here's the thing, Joe. Nobody needs restaurants in other places, but they need us. We need to start standing our ground just saying Santa Bell Jim. Hmm. And those are the reactions. A, the, a representative, a representation across the board of GLers reacting to the mask mandate. We uh, we stirred up the troops yesterday, didn't we? Well, I, they're all they're all wonderful responses. No, I, I agree, but a lot of people reacted to this. Yeah. And a mixed bag. Which, yeah, exactly. Know. That's why I did it. It's oh. a tremendously interesting mixed mm -hmm. mixed bag. Yeah. It does. I, I certainly agree with Tom's statement that this has been one hundred percent political. Yeah. Well, from day one, it has. <laughs> There's a great... How, oh, how, how did it, from day one, become so political? It, it was... It, right, five seconds into this... John, please don't. I'll do it, John. <laughs> no, I'll do it. Because Trump initially... Oh, God, I was uh, having such a good day. ...played down the oh, yeah. okay. threat yeah, of the... I'm, I'm remembering now. And the progressives, seizing upon an opportunity to never let a crisis go to waste, <laughs> began to lambast him for his casual attitude. Yeah. And it was almost as though he had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the fray. And then he did get warp speed vaccines created. Yeah. To which, how did they respond? Or and then they well, said, yeah. including the vice president, well, I'm not taking it. Yeah. <laughs> if if tr if Trump had any involvement in it, I'm not going to take it. I do remember that he did say this will all be wrapped up by Easter right. in, in February. And he was dead wrong, like everybody oh, else. By the way, and and remember, he made fun of everybody that wouldn't wear a mask, right. including right. reporters, and you know. So now Biden, gets or that into, would wear a mask. I'm sorry. Now Biden gets into office, and they can't cheer him on hard enough to for the masking and the vaccines. And if you want... <laughs> he inherited the... He, when Biden took office, he said there were no vaccines. There's a picture of him getting one in December of 2021. Well, this I'm whole, sorry, December of 2020. 2020. The, the yeah. hypocrisy runs deep on both sides, and yes. we all know that. But there's yeah, a... You guys, yeah. I want to point out, I just started following this Twitter account that you all need to follow immediately. It's called... Sports? Defiant L's. <laughs> all right? At Defiant L's. What it does is it'll grab a Joe Biden tweet from 2019 ripping the president and then something completely opposite of what he had said 
in a side-by-side photo. It's fantastic. How about, it the points longest, out, how about the longest filibuster in history where the Democrats in 1963 or 64 opposed to civil rights legislation? But now, of course, the filibuster was well, taken they do that with Jim Crow laws. They do that on both sides. But, Such, don't didn't the, the current president also say he was going to get this uh, COVID thing handled? Too yes. sweet? Right away? Yes. May 4th of 2020, Uncle Joe Biden tweeted the following. Over 1 million cases of COVID-19, almost 70,000 dead. What is upsetting President Trump? Tough questions from the press. Cry me a river, Mr. President. Town Hall then said... On January 13th, Biden smirks while ignoring questions from reporters. Folks, we'll talk about that later. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's things like that. I, and it, it attacks both sides, by the way. I am following at Defiant L's. Oh, you're going to love it, Rook. It's spectacular. <laughs> what does the L mean, I wonder? A lot like a, a loss. Oh, Get it? No, it's, oh. it's great. It's a great account. I can't let this go. We have some very positive news. It's not oh, even good. Thursday. <laughs> very positive. Friday. What is it? There's been pushback on the sentencing guideline commissioners. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thousands of people pushing back. It's on the front page of today's Star Tribune. Fierce debate over a proposal that could limit tougher sentences for people who commit new crimes while on probation is upending the state's sentencing guidelines commission and setting up a showdown to be resolved in the upcoming legislative session. The the commission unanimously agreed to hold off on a scheduled vote on the proposal yesterday as some members expressed dismay over the recent direction of the debate. That includes forceful opposition from key GOP state legislators who have accused the board made up largely of members appointed by DFL Governor Tim Walls, of radical partisanship. What I'm troubled by is how, at least in part, this discussion has devolved into exactly what this body was created to avoid, the use of rhetoric versus principled policymaking guided by thoughtful research, said Corrections Commissioner Paul Schnell, who's on the committee. Minnesota sentencing guidelines work on a point system that accounts for the severity of the crime and an offender's criminal history. Consideration of eliminating a half point assigned for custody status has stoked concerns that it would lead to lighter punishment for repeat offenders at a time when violent crime has surged in the Twin Cities and elsewhere, to which I would add to the sentence, due to repeat offenders not being held accountable. Hmm. Uh, This allows criminals who have already been given a break for probation instead of prison time even less incentive to follow the rules or follow the law, said State Senator Warren Limmer, a Maple Grove Republican who chairs the Senate's Judiciary and Public Safety Committee. The last thing we need to do right now is to have less punishment for criminals. This is tremendous pushback. Yes, it is. This is an awakening. Supporters of the change have hailed its potential for reducing sentences for low-level drug and property crimes, which data show are not commonly charged in cases of people offending while on probation or parole. Can we stop a second? Yep. Is that where the point system is screwing us up, Such? Yes. Because, really, who cares if somebody's running around with an ounce or a half ounce or a couple of doobies or, or any of these drug crimes? I really don't care about that. Um, but it's got to be 
the point system that is allowing people to go and then reoffend, right? Yeah. What, what, what the, the question in contention is this. We shouldn't uh, provide an additional half point on the scale if a person commits a crime while on parole. And the pushback is, no, if you're on parole, don't commit a crime. There you right. go. Yep. Any kind of crime? I, well, I'm going to say any kind of crime. All right. Yeah. If you're on probation, you got to be really careful walking on eggshells. Well, we've been talking all week about the guy that ran his car into the fire uh, hall. Um, was that a point a point based release? I don't know. And she, hmm. it's futile to try to reach Regina Chu. It's just futile. She won't comment on a pending case. But she let him out without any provisions. That I'm, well, she probably said, stay away from the woman you terrorized. No, what because okay. I'm, I'm just wondering how much are the judges to blame versus the sentencing guidelines? Well, there's equal blame to share. Right. All right. I'm already on probation, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get my life right. Oh, I don't right. blame you. I don't get it blame right. you. Well, last month, I think, that, Reavers, this is the quote you've been looking for from Walls. Last month, Walls said that he trusts the commission's yes. vast swath of expertise. Yes. I think trying to tell Minnesotans that this change is somehow going to make them less safe is simply not true. Uh, we don't know that. <laughs> you can't lock your way up and imprison your way out of some of these things. Oh. But you, God in heaven, he is so... Oh, oh. A bad word. But then he says, but you can't be smart about making sure the most violent offenders are not out. But they're... A violent offender just got released by Chu. Two of them. Yeah. Within a week. Honestly, though, I... I beg that Walls keeps uttering this gibberish because that's what will get a guy like Kendall Qualls elected governor. Bring it on, Walls. Keep sputtering that nonsense. Listen to this. The commission voted 6-4 in November to advance the proposal, meaning uh, don't don't assign an additional half point if you commit a crime on probation. In other words, the activists are in favor of that. During an initial round of public input, it received more than 3,500 responses, 95% of them opposed to eliminating the custody status points. I bet you many of those were GLers who were urged to, to respond. Remember the, uh, there was a public comment period that we were advised about by our judge friend? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was a public comment period on That's the right. Sentencing Guidelines Commission, and people weighed in and pushed back. And now, at least what they're doing is delaying their decision. They're delaying their vote. What is it being considered? A state panel is debating whether to eliminate the custody status point for Minnesota sentencing guidelines. Custody, custody status includes whether the offender was on probation at the time of the new crime and can be used by judges to calculate what sentence to impose. They want The activists want to eliminate that custody point status. I do not. Nope, me either. No reasonable citizen wants to eliminate these. No. Uh, these quotes by Gordon Moore, the uh, Supreme Court Justice, are that really uh, fascinating and revealing. Uh, read them, please. Uh, it's after the paragraph, uh, after the one you just finished down a bit. Moore lamented that the debate has become an all-or-nothing approach and suggested that judges should retain discretion to impose tougher penalties on those who commit crimes that violate a fundamental requirement of probation to obey the law. Here's the deal, though, uh, Justice. They're not. They're messing up. No. They're turning these people out. No. Uh Gordon Moore is Walls' only appointee to the state's high court so far. Yep. 
nope. and a member of the Sentencing Guidelines Commission. Uh, he did say the issue is too important to be rammed through without any timeline, with any timeline in mind here. So there's a chance he could have a conversion, even though he's a Walls appointee. The progressives uh, don't believe in crime the way the rest of us do. And I'm thankful for this great pushback that's halted them in their tracks. Yeah, amen. Okay. This is our one small victory. Let's go. Run with it. Go back to that last page at the bottom, uh, second to last column. Uh, the quote starts with, I-, I want you to read it so I can really try to figure out what he's saying. It starts with, it seems to me. Uh, who's saying it? Uh, more. Second it's, to last column. It seems to me that a more severe sanction for offenders who commit a new felony offense while on probation reflects a reasoned determination that the offender's new crime is a more dangerous, flagrant violation of the criminal laws and does make the offender more culpable, said Moore, who previously served as a county attorney okay. and judge in Nobles County. Dumb it down for, for me and Matthew. What, what the hell? is <laughs> hey. what, what, What's he saying there? Well, it seems to me that he's saying... Uh, Okay, let me read it again. That, that, that people that commit felonies while on probation are worse? It seems to me that a more severe sanction for offenders who commit a new felony while on probation reflects a reasoned determination that the offender's new crime is a more flagrant violation of the criminal laws yeah, and yeah. does make the offender more culpable. Well, okay. he's, he's saying, yeah. look, to me what he's saying is, you already had your chance. Yeah. Now you're on probation, yeah. and the new crime you commit makes it even worse for you. Yeah. So he agrees. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I All do, right. too. Thank you. I do, too. I don't know if I do. Why don't we come back and go to another <laughs> ray of hope with the uh, editorial piece that Kendall Qualls uh, announced that he would be having in the Star Tribune, and today it appears. The 31st Annual 2022 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday, February 18 through Sunday, Feb 20. Grab your foursome. Get ready for your first round of 2022. See all the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show has to offer, including great deals on drivers, irons, putters, and accessories. Nab great deals on the best golf apparel around. This is where I get my golf gloves every year. Take advantage of special offers from your favorite courses and destination golf resort vacations. While you're there, plus take lessons from the pros and be ready to own your golf game in 2022. And as an added bonus, yes, Garage Logic will broadcast live from 11:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday, Feb 18. Tickets are now on sale for just $12. Compliments of TwinCitiesGolf.com. Each ticket purchase includes 10 free greens free passes and three bonus passes if you purchase online. Find all show details at MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Presented by Choice Bank, your select Minnesota Buick, GMC dealers, Nelson Marine, and Second Swing. This next song is about Kenny Olsen. If he's here, jump up and down. Bounce! Justice Bounce. and the Souchere. Big Backyard, Soul Man Slam Fest. I don't know when it was, early 90s. Never mind that. Uh, it's a wonderful product in the world of bad gas, and it's a big hit with our GLers. Christy writes, my 25-year-old son drives a 2004 Subaru. I thought that car might use, it could use some high-mileage seafoam. I knew that O'Reilly's the store would have it. So this mom found it on her own. And while I was in the seafoam aisle, I love that seafoam has its own aisle, uh, I heard a gentleman ask the front where he could find the seafoam. Over here, I yelled. I love that. 
Uh, and sure enough, this Christmas, my son found a can of seafoam in his stocking from Santa. And she only knows about seafoam from uh, the GL podcast. We love that. Thank you, Christy. Uh, and then Surly Old Vic writes... Uh, yeah, so uh, what's the deal here, Soul Man? My 20-year-old semi needs to go, but what about my 18-year-old Ford ex, 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 Excursion? Mission. Expedition. God, it's not that tough of a word. <laughs> that gets, this is the best part, that gets a can of high-mileage seafoam a month when the thing is close to empty. Okay, Vic, you win. I love that. And then he uh, gives me a PS. PS, bring on all the crap you want, pal. At least I'm not going in the ditch while eating smoked salmon after a <laughs> grund run. Uh, he got me on that one. I did hit the ditch in my truck. But Vic is right. If you're driving a high mileage, be it a, a semi with a half a million on it or a Ford with a couple hundred thousand on it, Seafoam is your friend, uh, your friend, my friend. Truly a wonderful product in a world of bad gas, Seafoam. Two great editorials in today's Star Tribune. One is called Why I'm Running for Governor. It's by Kendall Qualls. I'm not going to read both editorials, but I urge GLers to. I will uh, read you one paragraph. I know Minnesota is better than the negative headlines. I'm running for governor of Minnesota to save our state and put an end to the radical policies. As a businessman, I'm for common sense policies, lower taxes, and I'm against business shutdowns, government overreach, identity politics, and the constant fear associated with cancel culture. I will be a very different governor, not just in how I will serve Minnesotans, but also because of where my life has taken me. And it's taken him from the absolute bottom to... uh, Unimagined heights. We can't say this enough. He's the definition of the American dream. And side uh, alongside it is a piece by Jim Schultz, why I'm running for attorney general. Jim Schultz is a Republican candidate for Minnesota attorney general. He's from Minnetonka. And he writes, Minnesota must prioritize public safety at every level of government to address the crime plaguing our communities. Recently, we witnessed a positive development as Minneapolis leadership agreed to a meaningful increase to the police budget, nearly returning it to the level before the substantial cuts of 2020. While it's still not enough, it marks a milestone. 20 months after sparking a nationwide movement to defund police, the city council accepted the reality that communities need police and police need to be funded. And he goes on with his common sense appeal to voters. We have choices, people. We have choices. Keith Ellison has to go. Walls has to go. Regina Chu has to go. Boom. Boom. I, I highly recommend that you, you uh, of course, I'm preaching to the choir when I urge GLers to uh, avail themselves of these uh, wonderful pieces. But uh, how could any black person in their right mind not respect what he's gone through, and, Kendall, Kendall. Yes, and 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 praise him with, with all the roadblocks that everybody says they have, and not vote for him. Well, it's a good question. Let me well, read you one the, more paragraph the, the, the from black or white rook. Well, I know, but I mean, but every black person knows what he had to go through right, right. to get to this success. Yeah, and a whole hell of a lot of white people. Here's too. another great uh, paragraph from Jim Schultz. Uh, we're going to have to make an attempt to have him on the show if he wishes to uh, face the jinx that we have for championing. (laughs) He writes, but the deepest problem with the anti-safety policies of Keith Ellison is not economic. It is moral. 
It is deeply wrong that Minnesotans, particularly the least fortunate among us, must live with the current level of criminality. Families should not have to worry about whether they will be carjacked on their way to school or if stray bullets will take the lives of their children at football practice. Yet Ellison, guided by the ideology of extremists, wants to eliminate the police force protecting Minnesota residents. Jim Schultz, Kendall Qualls. We need this. It's a, almost revolutionary. Mm-hmm. We need this for this state to survive, for this country to survive. Jai yep. Hansen. Jai Hansen for Hennepin County Sheriff, who would move his office to the north side. What a presence that would be for those citizens who are tired of gunplay. And he answers to no political party, which makes me really love him. I I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Now, speaking of this, before we move on, you'll recall uh, yesterday I said the the revolving door of criminal justice is so bad. How bad bad is it? it? A Baltimore guy who set fire to his girlfriend's townhome said, I shouldn't even have been released. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad. But it's uh, it's all over the news that the... uh, He got a plea deal received from the state's attorney, Marilyn Mosby. He was originally charged with 18 felony counts, including attempted murder. Mosby reduced that to just one count, and he was freed. You have often wondered, Tim's writing, you have often wondered why these liberal prosecutors are so lenient with the most violent and dangerous criminals. Maybe it's because they have no respect for the law themselves. Yesterday afternoon, that same state's attorney was indicted on multiple federal charges herself, including bank fraud and perjury. Marilyn Mosby now faces up to 30 years in prison. On two separate occasions, Mosby lied on mortgage applications, failing to disclose that she had unpaid federal taxes and that the IRS had placed a lien of $45,000 against all property that Mosby owned. Two, Mosby lied in order to get a lower interest rate on the mortgage to her Florida vacation home by claiming it was her second home. In fact, it was an investment property that she wanted to rent out. Three, she also lied on a mortgage application by using coronavirus hardship as a reason to take money out of her city retirement account. In fact, she experienced no financial hardship and received her full annual salary of $248,000 throughout the pandemic. Mosby is just one of several liberal prosecutors who don't really want to prosecute. The list includes Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, John Chisholm in Milwaukee, John Choi in in St. Paul. I believe they have deceived their constituents. They are attempting to be something they are not, and there's a word for people like that, frauds. It is perhaps karma that Marilyn Mosby now faces up to 30 years in prison because of her alleged bank fraud. Uh, she uh, had a has or had a very strong supporter in Kamala Harris. Is Kamala, is she chiming in? No. She will be later. She will be later in today's show. <laughs> okay. She will be later in today's show. Copy. Might we take a break and return with John Haidt, please? It's time for your New Year's resolution. We all spent a lot of money during the holidays, and I can help you save some money, too. Do what I did. Call the Canopy Group. They shopped over 16 insurance companies, increased my coverage greatly, and saved me over $600 annually. I procrastinated and wish I had done this a decade earlier. Now I'm part of the Canopy Group's annual process. I do not have the time, interest, or knowledge to shop 16 different companies for my home and auto insurance. 
Do me and yourself a favor. Don't procrastinate. Make this your New Year's resolution. Call the Canopy Group and get the best insurance coverage and save money. You will be off to a wonderful New Year. Go to thecanopygroup.com. That's thecanopygroup.com. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> you cannot oh, stop him. I'm, I'm not ready. Just make well, you a better movie. Be. John's not feeling it. You better be. Hey, Kenny Olson has something to say. Just wondering about that. 30 years of service in Maple Grove is maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Rich, he's the owner. His number one concern, it's us, our satisfaction with his shop and his services. He's doing full residential and commercial lock safe security services, among other brands of safes. Maple Grove Lock and Safe offers the country's best safe, the Liberty Safe. It's made right here in the United States of America. And here's some good news. Liberty has recently reintroduced the popular Franklin model, and that's good for us. Even better, Rich has over 140 safes in stock to protect you, your valuables, your firearms, jewelry, documents, and memorabilia, pictures, whatever. Rich, he's the matchmaker. He's going to make sure we go home with the right unit for our dollars spent. That Maple Grove address, 6901 East Fish Lake Road, and on the web, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, lots of new snow this morning. You know what that meant? We had lots of crashes and spin-outs. My oh, God, boy. did we ever. Yeah. <laughs> State Patrol between 5 this morning and 11.30 said we had 159 crashes, including 22 involving injuries and 66 vehicles in addition, uh, spin-outs going off the road. Fortunately, none of the crashes resulting in fatal Injuries. If I was a uh, hockey coach in the show Letter Kenny, I would run into the <laughs> locker room, I would kick the trash can and scream out, bleeping embarrassing! <laughs> Kenny, okay. I always feel bad for you on days like today. No, Chris, no, Chris, 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 Chris. Feel what? good. Working today is was way easier than working yesterday when there were no crashes. Oh, well, I guess I meant this dimensions is, alone. No, this is the old Roycey Souchere, uh, who's the sports columnist Red in New Smith. York. God will provide. Yeah. Oh, God is good. God is good. <laughs> yep. Oddly enough, John uh, uh, cited the times 5 a.m. to 11.30, which was also the length of Chris Reaver's commute today. Oh, yeah. God. 5 a.m. till 11.30. That's that, a tough one. John, you keep going, please, despite these interruptions. <laughs> Minnesota will see $60 million flow into the state for bridge projects this year from the new federal infrastructure law. First batch of funding and what state leaders are calling a historic investment in the nation's transportation systems. The funding part of $302 million overall projected for state bridges over the next five years. A release from the U.S. Department of Transportation today said the funds will help improve 615 bridges in poor condition as well as 5,020 bridges in fair condition in the state. Nationwide, the law is expected to help address about 15,000 bridges that need repair. Uh, the uh, Department of Transportation today said the funding will make the biggest impact starting in the 2023 construction season, but $60 million will help to plan for a number of projects that will start in 2022. I don't want my bridges to be in fair condition. I want them no. to be in excellent condition. By the way, backing up one story, yeah, we're recording right now, 12.54 p.m. 
there are still wrecks all oh, yeah. over the yeah. system. Yeah. you got to make a move. Yep. So you wouldn't probably apply f- to work at uh, Just Good Enough Bridge Company. No, it's like airlines. I yeah. wanted to be very expensive <laughs> airlines. Almost there. Yeah. Sketchybridge.com. Yeah. We might get you across. Almost there. Com. Take your chances. Low budget airlines, Joe. No. There Maybe, used to uh, be a bridge over the Mississippi south of 494. What would that be? Newport down there somewhere? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A one-lane old rickety piece of crap. I went across that thing about 20 years ago in a Honda Accord. I didn't think I was going to see the other side. <laughs> I think it's been shut down by now. A lot of Minnesota employers relieved Thursday, yesterday, as the U.S. Supreme Court blocked that federal vaccine or test requirement that some feared would make it harder for businesses to operate amid the continuing shocks from the pandemic. No bleep, Sherlock. State officials estimated more than 4,500 employers in Minnesota with 100 or more workers would have been affected by the requirement. The high court went the other way on a separate case upholding the federal mandate on vaccinations or tests for health care providers that get funding from the federal Medicare and Medicaid programs. That means virtually all the hospitals and nursing homes in the state of Minnesota. New jury trials in the 1st Judicial District will be paused through February 1st due to high COVID-19 positivity rates. Chief Judge Kevin Mark signed the order stating that trials that have been scheduled but not yet started will be suspended through February 1st. A building, uh, our building, remember the uh, uh, one the state bought to uh, store yeah, bodies. Yeah, the old Bix Produce. Oh, yeah, the Produce Barn. It, uh, it now has a new owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had it had been sold. The state, if you're not familiar with the story, the state uh, bought it at the beginning of the COVID-19 uh, thing, uh, thinking they may have to store bodies in yeah, there. Yeah, for about $7 million. Yeah, no, well, they paid $5.5 million in And then May they put tw- money into it, yeah, didn't they? May, uh, 5.5 million May of 2020. Uh, not sure about the money. In All right, Joe, whatever. But, uh, they spent 5.5, and then the state in late 2021 uh, put it back on the market because obviously there was no use for it. The Port Authority at that point bought it for 5.65 million dollars, and now it's been purchased by a trucking company for 38 million dollars. Right. No. <laughs> Do we take a hit? 5.65. Oh, okay. Same thing. I so wanted it turned into a prison. Might as well. That's yeah. right. That yeah. was your idea, wasn't yeah. it? Well, a prison or a homeless shelter. Well, Joe, we can't incarcerate our way into safety. That's true. Yeah. That's what they well, forgot. Said. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. We are not yet sure of the uh, purchase price uh, by the trucking company. It's not public information until next week when it's included in the board's public meeting notice. A fifth member of the Minnesota House of Representatives in just over a week has announced he will not seek re-election this year. Uh, Representative Carlos Mariani, a DFLer from St. Paul, announced yesterday he will not run in November. He was first elected back in 1990. Right now he chairs the House Public Safety and Criminal Justice Reform. Doing a hell of a job, Carlos. Finance and Policy Committee. He joins a quickly growing list that includes Representative Paul Marquardt, Tim Miller, Jim Davney, and Rod Hamilton. Uh, all legislators who've announced in the last week they will not seek re-election. From what parties year. are they? Uh, I believe all but one were Democrat. I, I don't see. have that in front of me, but if yeah. I uh, recall correctly. 
Uh, Stuart Rhodes, the leader and founder of the Oath Keepers Militia, was arrested Thursday, charged along with 10 others with seditious conspiracy for allegedly organizing a wide-ranging plot to storm the Capitol on January 6th of last year and disrupt the certification of President Biden's electoral victory. The arrest of the 56-year-old Rhodes, a major development in the investigation of the Capitol attack. The case against him and other members of his group was the first time prosecutors have filed sedition charges against any of the more than 700 people accused so far. Rhodes was arrested yesterday afternoon at his home in Granbury, Texas. Prosecutors say only days after the 2020 election, Rhodes oversaw a seditious plot to oppose the lawful transfer of presidential power. Some members of the Oath Keepers under his command broke into the Capitol. Others were stationed at a hotel in Alexandria, Virginia, as an armed quick reaction force ready to rush into Washington if needed. And according to prosecutors, these sedition charges carry a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. What's the mission statement of the uh, Oath Keepers? Uh, what are these characters? To keep to? the oath. What oath? <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's like they're just playing fort. They're playing fort. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Remember the you. guy in, yeah. what was the guy in Minnesota, the militia? Uh, Colonel Eddie. Colonel Eddie, and the gun was made out of a bar of soap yeah, or Colonel something. Eddie. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, golly. A multi-time guest on your show. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota militia. Yeah, yeah, wooden rifle or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rhodes here, if you've seen pictures, you've seen he wears an eye patch. Yep. Uh, so this got me curious. I had to look up how he lost an eye. Maybe he didn't. He, he, he did. He was, he was a gun instructor, oh. and he dropped his gun on the floor. Oh. It Which went is like... Off, um, the, like so the card, that's the number oh, one rule. Right. Number he had one on job. The, on the board, that's the <laughs> number one rule. Don't drop your bleeping gun. <laughs> when, yeah, when, John, did that make news? I seem to remember this uh, no, a story it, like this. It was a long time ago. Like, oh. you know, 20, maybe okay. 25 years ago. You see, All the right. thing is, guys, right. first rule here is don't <laughs> do this. Don't drop it like this. Don't drop the gun. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel very bad that he lost his eye. I'm resigning as leader of the <laughs> <I don't>. authors. <laughs> John, you only did that because you knew I was going to react that way. You well, I, I thought it was very funny when I looked it up, and I thought, what are okay, they called? The oath eaters? Oath, oath keepers? Keep, oath, oath keepers? Keepers? Oath eaters? Wow. Wow. I don't know. I, you guys know I don't like joining groups of any kind. That's why I had to leave the vintage sled club. All those guys. <laughs> Bug me. I want the screeching tires, please. Oh, it's a fun Friday. No, though. no, it's, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. That's not what Jesse said. I don't think you want to overuse the screeching tires. Though. All right, I, all right. I, I'm I'll, go, sure I'll go with John. I'm not, I'm not sure that we've hit that yet. I'll go with John's <laughs> counsel. And I say, give us some time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, the Oath Keepers is an American far-right anti-government militia whose members claim to be defending the Constitution of the United States. Okay, Oath Eaters, uh, I'm going to be over here eating pizza. You guys go have yourself a bowl. What, are these Eaters. the guys that are the former cops? And I don't know. You know what, Joe? No, Some... It's Proud Boys, I think. Oh, Joe, I think. I, maybe I it know. is. I don't know. I Some think, of these uh, are former But they're military. not numerous enough to be, to, to be taken... 24 hours a day coverage on CNN. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, let me correct myself. Johnny, you they're, said not former cops, former military. They're the ones, do you remember uh, the guys who marched in in uniform to the Capitol in 
uh, in a formation. Yes. Those, those guys were Oath Keepers. All right. okay. Is there a group of like old men that want to just sit in their chair in their sweatpants and watch TV <laughs> and maybe have a glass of wine? That's, that's the group the, I like. That's the oh, Archie right. Bunkers, yes. Yeah. The Archie Bunkers. yeah, and yell at the TV yeah. occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, I think Scott was right with his email earlier. We've lost our lion quality. <laughs> At least two Katyusha rockets were fired at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad on Thursday, but the rockets were shot down before they reached the compound. The officials who spoke to Reuters on condition of anonymity provided no further details. A series of attacks, some of which the U.S. blames on Iran-aligned militia groups, have targeted bases or installations hosting U.S. military personnel this year with no casualties. The Iran-aligned militia has in previous years carried out dozens of similar attacks, mostly causing little harm. Sirhan Sirhan, who assassinated Robert Kennedy in 1968, was denied parole yesterday by California's governor, who said the killer remains a threat to the public and hasn't taken responsibility for a crime that altered American history. Kennedy, a U.S. senator from New York, was shot moments after he claimed victory in California's pivotal Democratic presidential primary. Five others wounded during the shooting at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, who cited RFK as his political hero, rejected a recommendation from a two-person panel of parole commissioners who said Sirhan should be freed. The panel's recommendation had divided the Kennedy family. Uh, two of RFK's sons, Douglas Kennedy and Robert Kennedy Jr., supported Sirhan's release. Their siblings and mom, Robert Kennedy's widow, vehemently opposed that release. Sirhan, who will be scheduled for a new parole hearing no later than February of 2023, will ask a judge to overturn Newsom's denial, according to his attorney. I heard why some of the family members did not want him paroled, but I have not heard as to the others as to why they would want him to be paroled. Has anybody heard why? I do not know. In favor? Okay. I don't know. Maybe Robert Jr. is a bit of a flake. He's, okay. uh, he's been involved in a few things. That's he's an well, anti-Fauci was... guy. Is he? John, yeah, we know he didn't. didn't know. Yeah. We know he didn't shoot him. Come on, John. No, he, he shot well, him. Well, you shot can everybody. watch it on TV, for God's <laughs> you sake. Can, you can see uh, him standing there with John, a gun. He ain't biting on that hook, is he? It's like Jack <laughs> Ruby. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, don't get don't, me going. Don't, let's go, Jen. Well, let's oh, right, what are we talking about today? The lone bullet theory. Magic bullet bouncing around. You know? Oh, God. I don't know. Jesse, uh, former so, Marine, uh, Mr. Marchman, Governor, uh, Joe Tortillas. ruled out the possibility that there is, in fact, a fun Friday. Do what now? <laughs> I don't know. Some, uh, I, I guess you guys have had a couple of format changes since I've been there. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm going to hear when I flip it on. <laughs> a lot of static. I love how he just sprung that on you. <laughs> oh, What? Fun Friday. Some, oh, you fun didn't know what you were missing. <laughs> yeah. What's fun about it? I don't know. It's just Friday. We're having fun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got to get the oh, shake. Oh, stop in. it, Rook. You're making me dizzy. <laughs> Some high roller money in the world of comic books this month. Oh. A single page of artwork, one page of artwork one from page. a 19, 1984 Spider-Man comic book sold at auction yesterday for $3.36 million. Mike Zeck's artwork for page 25 for Marvel Comics Secret Wars number 8 brought the first appearance of Spidey's black suit. The suit would eventually lead to the emergence of the character Venom. 
The record bidding started at $330,000, soared easily past $3 million, came on the first day of Heritage Auctions four-day comic event in Dallas. The previous record for an interior page of a U.S. comic book was a little over $657,000 for art from a 1974 issue of The Incredible Hulk that featured a tease for the first appearance of the character Wolverine. Not a David Banner guy? No, you know, comic, you got too much money if you're paying $3 um, mil for a page. Um, Joe, I think GLers would like to know, we need to get to the bottom of this, uh, your opinion, Betty or Veronica? Uh, I only can picture Veronica. I can't picture Betty. Well, then, then he must be a Ver, uh, Betty or Veronica guy. He's yeah. a Veronica guy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those lonely, rainy days in there with Kerm and. Yeah. What about <laughs> Bugs Bunny Veronica. dressed up as a gal? Veronica. What now, Rook? I mean, uh, Kenny. Bugs Bunny uh, dressed up as a gal. It was fantastic. Uh, hard to pass on that. You would never pass that, especially little, with little, the lipstick. I was just say a little heavy on the lipstick. A little though. heavy on the lipstick. <laughs> Uh, This is not good for the force's reputation. Two years, more than 100 interviews and thousands of pages of documents into one of the biggest corruption scandals in Baltimore police history have led to this. The results of the independent investigation into the disgraced gun trace task force are out. Eight officers in the unit, including Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, the leader of the group, were convicted of racketeering, armed robbery, selling drugs, falsifying overtime, and planting evidence on suspects they arrested total of 13 defendants charged in the scandal since the initial federal indictment of Sergeant Thomas Ehlers was later indicted uh, and uh, eventually pleaded guilty to charges of racketeering. The report also explains how the widespread corruption began and continued for years without being detected. Did the show The Wire have anything to do with that? I don't know. It certainly uh, indicated that may be going on in the mm-hmm. police department. Well, one so. step forward, two steps back, huh? Did you? Uh, were you a Wire watcher? No. Oh, wonderful show. I'm a wire watcher. Rookie, a question for you, sir. Am I still within my time limit? Yes. Okay, thank you very much. Did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. (laughs) No. Neither did I. I was, I just that's asking. that's good. It's my favorite line and, of that uh, entire movie, which I know I violated. I'm not supposed to play that, but we really, won't talk about really, it. What, that what was movie Screeching Tires, it? John. I'm sorry. That was Can Screeching Tires. Can you mention tires. Bugs Bunny well, dressing up as a girl? Well, what movie is it from? I, I don't uh, even know. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Oh, okay. God, I saw that, too. Uh, update. Remember the guy we told you about the other day uh, who got the pig heart in the transplant? Yes. He's well, dead. we now. F- No, we now found out he stabbed a bar patron seven times in a brutal attack that now has the victim's stunned family questioning why the life-saving organ didn't go to someone more deserving. Wow. What they want to do is keep him alive so they can put him in the electric chair. Well, no, he's already served his time, Kenny. 57-year-old David Bennett, uh, suffering from terminal heart disease, was convicted in the 1988 bar stabbing of Edward Shoemaker. Shoemaker's heartbroken sister, Leslie Shoemaker Downey, now says the second chance at a heart should have gone to someone else. The attack forced her brother to use a wheelchair the rest of his life, led to a stroke, and ultimately to his death. While she says Bennett has a new lease on life. Bennett, then 23, attacked Shoemaker while he was playing pool at the Double T Lounge on what April a dive 30th. bar. 
1988, after his then-wife, Norma Jean Bennett, sat on Shoemaker's lap, according to the Daily Mail. Bennett hit Shoemaker from behind, then stabbed him repeatedly in the abdomen, chest, and back, according to court testimony. He then fled cops in a high-speed chase, which charged with intent to murder and openly carrying a concealed weapon, among other charges. He was found guilty, uh, guilty of battery and carrying a concealed weapon, but acquitted on intent, uh, in the intent to murder charges. Uh, as of uh, yesterday, the last day we know of, he was uh, still doing okay with... Well, I agree with the sister. I think someone more noble might have had that chance. I'll admit, when you started reading the story, I thought you meant he just did it after he had his operation. That's what I thought, too. Okay, good. Wow. Uh, I know you guys love these stories. A New Zealand man who initially thought he had water trapped in his ear said the true cause of the blockage. Oh, no, 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 Parasite, no. Turned out to be a live cockroach. John, you SOB. Whoa. 40-year-old Zane Wedding of Auckland said he went swimming at a local pool and later felt the sensation of blockage in his ear. He said, I used some drops to clear it up and fell asleep on the couch later that night, but he said his ear still felt blocked the next day. So he went to see a doctor who advised him to try using a hairdryer to dry up the water inside his ear canal. Who's the Twins player that this happened to? Butch Butch Weininger. That's right. Oh, Why during did, a game, though. Yeah, but Earl Weaver yeah. got very upset that it was taking so long to get the bug out of his ear. And he laid down on the plate and crossed his, <laughs> crossed his arms over his chest. Hold on. <laughs> now I'm going to play this one today. Behind the rubber. Oh, bullsh**. Bullsh**. Yourself. There he is. And this screw is here just to f*** us. Yeah, boom. That's great. You run yourself, Earl. You run yourself. Your you hit me? Yeah, because you Good. put your I'm glad finger you on me. I'm glad you hit me. You're here for one job. <laughs> What's that, Earl? Just f*** up. Ah, you're full of years and years. God, I and miss don't Earl. don't you ever put your finger on me. Again. You hit me, Earl. You put your finger That's on okay. me. That's okay. You ain't going to knock nobody on her. You do it again, and I'll knock you right in your nose. I didn't touch you. You pushed your finger. I did not. Best line coming up. You're a big liar. You are a liar, Earl. You are a liar. The only reason you're wrong, Earl. And you'll have your chance tomorrow. You got it as quick as you can. What is wrong with you? You ain't no good. (laughs) No, you aren't either. You aren't either. You ain't no good. You're no good either. What, do I, what are you doing here now? Well, why don't you call the league office and ask him? Yeah, I will. Oh, good. <laughs> don't think I won't. <laughs> don't think I won't. <laughs> what a home run. Don't oh, think I won't. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> don't think I won't. Right out of Laurel and Hardy. I love the... Uh, don't Remind me, uh, Johnny the umpire, was it Bill Haller? Haller, yeah. I, I, the best line for me from his side was... Oh, how are you going to get in the Hall of Fame for bleeping up a World Series? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, here's a, a weird uh, factoid, uh, Chris. That Whatever happened really... to the guy with the cockroach in his ear? Oh, yeah. Well, well hang on. I, I'll get back to that. But uh, uh, his brother, Bill Haller's brother, yep. was a base, Major League Baseball player. Really? Tom Haller. Yeah. Tom Haller was a catcher for the Giants. So That's I'm right. guessing Bill Bill never got to do any I would. Yeah, I was just going to ask. He probably never did any games. Did you I see the video of the Man. praying mantis? <laughs> Where the parasite, they drop the praying mantis in water, and the parasite comes out of the praying mantis. I'll be damned. That's interesting. Doesn't do a thing for listeners. Just yeah. a Google parasite on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Please, yeah, what I'm, happened I'm to the cockroach? I'm trying. He oh, went to an God. ear, nose, eye, and ear, you know, uh, ear, nose, and throat specialist. 
And uh, the guy looked inside his ear and said, I think you, or she said, I think you have an insect in your ear. And it took about five minutes for the doctor to extract the cockroach. Uh, he said, every time she touched it, I just imagined her squishing a cockroach into my eardrum, so oh, I wasn't the best God. patient. Welding said there was instant relief when the insect came out. Yeah. He said the encounter left him with lingering feelings of disgust. He said he has a fumigator coming in. Yeah, what if the cockroach deposited eggs in the guy's ear? Right. Yeah, how do you fall asleep? Wow. Isn't that a, a serious, a serious uh, Eddie Van Halen story? Didn't, didn't something lay eggs in his ear when he was I don't sleeping? Know. It's a, it was bug. a subplot of one of uh, uh, Randy Wayne White's books. Really? When, uh, uh, Doc got uh, a, a parasite went up his swimsuit area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. good story. Yeah, put his right. head underwater. John, thank you. Eddie Van yes. Halen had tinnitus, John. No, I know. Well, who I know. doesn't, Chris? Tinnitus, Big parasitis? We're going to be back with a, we're going to come sake. back with an experiment that's, that is... <laughs> Yeah. That is important it's gonna stop to the all show. of America. <laughs> all of America. Uh. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. We have a two-part experiment we're going to conduct. Okay. Who is the who would make a better president for the United States? Joe Biden or rookie? Rookie, I'm going to ask you a question that Biden was asked. No, you got to remind me which way are you going here first. Biden first. Oh, okay, that's not how you set it up. I no, know. You, yeah. Uh, well, uh, too bad. Well, now I got to find it. Adjust on the fly. <laughs> Rookie, you are to imagine yourself as the president. You are holding a press conference concerning the latest job numbers mm-hmm. and uh, the difficulty that Americans are having. Uh, purchasing automobiles, for example. Yep. They're having a struggle with that. Uh, you have boasted of wage gains, but uh, they've decreased 1.9% seasonally adjusted for inflation. That's increasing the cost of living. Hmm. Car costs are up this year in part because of... Tell me when you're ready, uh, Chris. It's going to be a minute, Joe, because I was rushed during the commercial. Break. All right. Well, I, I'm setting up the question <laughs> yeah, for you. President... President Rookie, yeah. uh, car costs are up this year in part because of induced supply chain yeah. bottlenecks and pinches on yeah. household incomes. People are struggling to find cars to buy. And uh, do you have uh, a comment on that, sir? Me as a rookie running for president? No, you're the president. I am the president. You're the president. I'm asking you that question. Could you? Could well, you? What are your administration's thoughts on this? It's very difficult for the average citizen yeah. to even find a car, much less afford one. It is. I think first and foremost, and thank you for having me in studio today. Mm-hmm. I do really appreciate that. Uh, I think we need to get some cars on the lots. Uh, we need to uh, get the um, the lines working inside these factories. We got to blow out this. Um, these uh, these cartons that are sitting in the ocean idle, you know. There's a lot of parts for the cars there. Uh, you get those parts to the uh, place where they put the cars together, right? And you get them put together on the trains and on the lot. That'll solve that problem for inventory. But uh, people just have to get back to work. Mr. President, what about the prices of cars? They seem skyrocketed here in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, they're going up, and my administration is looking at that right now. Um, we're trying to find out. My administration. Who... <laughs> this is the president talking, Reavers. Respect. Oh, respect. Have a little respect. Sorry, I can't Mr. drive anymore because they drive me around. But right. The, uh, the price has just, it continues to go up, and I need to find out, because the buck stops here, who would 
who would be in charge of saying a muffler is nineteen dollars and now it's twenty five? Right. You can't just you can't just raise the price on that, right? That's true. Yeah. You make a good. And point. then you wrap up the car, and the whole car ends up being four thousand dollars more than last year's model. And right. what has changed right. other than the year? Right. You know the VIN number. You only have to say VIN number. Just yes, the VIN. VIN is the vehicle the identification number. number. The VI number, I right. would call it. Right. My administration <laughs> goes VI number. All right. Is that your answer, sir? Yeah, I, I don't. I really can't think of anything more other than we need more cars. The price has gone up just because you got supply and demand, and this is, you know, this is America. Again, now, Chris, show some respect for the sorry, president of right. the United yeah, States. Just, now we'll hear Mr. Biden's answer. I'm not an economist, but I've been doing this a long time. But here's the way to look at it. If car prices are too high right now, there are two solutions. You increase the supply of cars by making more of them, or you reduce demand for cars by making America's poor. That's a choice. That's a choice. I think it's a tie. I'm voting for rookie. <laughs> I think Matt's got my vote. I don't I'm know voting for rookie. I didn't understand what he said, and I have no idea what I said, but I think mine was better. I think mine was slightly better. Uh, now you are to become oh, you are the oh. vice president of the United States. Okay. Right? Yep. And the question uh, has been asked of you, Ms. Vice President, uh, well, he can Are, be Mr. Vice yeah, he can be yeah. Mr. No Vice President. Twink, okay. Are you ready for that? I I am, I'm no longer okay. a twink, right? <laughs> Inflation yeah. is devastating the middle class. Okay. Inflation, Inflation is uh, out of control. It's in fact, it's the highest it's been in more than 40 years. I would like your thoughts on what causes this inflation. Would you please answer that question, uh, uh, Mr. Mr. Vice, Vice President? President. Uh, the reason. For inflation, number one, is we're just printing too much money. Uh, we're printing money left and right. We're giving it away. Uh, we had people not working for a year, and they got a $300 stipend a week or for whatever it was. <laughs> so we're just giving that money away, uh, which in turn uh, inflates. Inflation makes <laughs> makes larger, bigger. Um it makes the, the economy the economy go higher. Prices are higher. Uh, interest rates are going up. This is a classic case of uh, inflation risability. <laughs> and now may we have? Oh, and what do you uh, do you intend to address this? I think I just did. Okay. <laughs> well, what can you do about it, sir? Anything? Well, there's two ways to do this. Um, and my administration looks at this every day. We have charts, uh, numbers, and what we've learned uh, over the last couple of weeks, anyway, is that there's two ways for inflation to go, up or down. Mm -hmm. And right now it's going up. Mm -hmm. Might we now hear Kamala Harris's answer to that, that question? Okay. Well, let's start with this. Prices have gone up. And families and individuals are dealing with the realities of, of the, that bread costs more, that gas costs more. Clearly. And we have to understand what that means. That's about the cost of living going up. 
I'm voting for rookie. I Matthew, know, I I, rookie. I, Matthew, I know I've been a thorn in your side for many years, but you, sir, are both my uh, president and vice president from this point forward. I appreciate that, and I don't think the thorn in your side will uh, discontinue. The 2024 I ticket. Think that will continue. <laughs> Mr. Vice President. I'm still vice president, okay. Mr. Vice President, America saw more COVID deaths in 2021 than in 2020, despite the introduction of three vaccines in late 2020, we had the Delta variant surge through the population. Yep. Now I have the Omicron. Uh, and what we, what the, the nation is asking you here, I'm representing the press. Uh, uh, <clears throat> what is it time to change the administration's COVID strategy? Mr. Vice President? As COVID continues to unfold and the different variants come out, we obviously don't know where this is going to end. We don't know where we're going. And we don't know all the answers. However, I will say this one thing, and this is something about the number of COVID deaths. The number of COVID deaths that have been attributed to COVID is not necessarily legitimate. Mm -hmm. So someone with pneumonia... And they were in the nursing home, and they pass on. It may have just been pneumonia, not COVID-related. But do you believe your administration should change its current direction in the, in the handling of the pandemic? Uh, the current handling of the pandemic, I do believe that we are on track to uh, fix this problem. And although we don't know when the end is going to be, I do believe that there will be a change and uh, my my team is working on that as we speak. To is it is it time to make a change in the administration's <laughs> handling of the pandemic? Is it time now? Uh, administrations should be dynamic with a uh, pandemic, mm-hmm. always changing, always figuring out new information. Mm-hmm. Swings down, swings yeah, up. Yeah, it's like the Calcutta pandemic. <laughs> I don't know if down. I like this line of uh, questioning from this uh, particular reporter. Um, yeah, uh, anybody else? I wonder can, who, Helen, who, who is Helen, he working no, no, for? I, that reporter seems to have an agenda in mind. Well, uh, <laughs> let's hear now the answer from Kamala Harris. Do you think it's time for your administration to change? Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. (laughs) Every day it is time for us to agree. I wish I would have thought of that. Uh, Matt, I, or, uh, uh, Mr. Vice President, Mr. Matt yeah. Mr. B- Vice President, I'm not sure what you said, but uh, uh, it made more sense than whatever <laughs> I just wow. heard. Can I please play it again? Yes, please. yeah, please. Six former. This is. Let's set this up. Let week. me set this up for you. Okay. This is real. This is uh, NBC News. Craig Melvin actually confronting Vice President Kamala Harris on the Today Show yesterday morning about whether it is time to change the administration's COVID strategy. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree. (laughs) Is she on some sort of what medication? Is she, if you what, guys, what is she this? sounds wow. baked. If you guys see the video too, they obviously have the two cameras set up. I don't inter- even need to see it to hear the smugness. No, I know the body language. But yeah. the the way that she 
pauses for a brief mm-hmm. second and looks up. I'm going to come up with something very but deep here. Guys, doesn't it sound like she was hitting the bong right yeah. before she came out? Yeah, her yeah. voice is quivering. and She sounded like this, you mean? Just got ejected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this going with Rook as a better vice president than Kamala Harris. Absolutely. I don't know. I think we might need a GL Town Hall meeting every Friday. Yeah. It's going to cost you. <laughs> It's going to cost you that. Yeah, extra. well, maybe we Slightly don't need. Slightly extra in 2022. <laughs> Slightly extra. Maybe we don't need a uh, town hall meeting oh. every Friday. Oh. It's funny how things change so fast. Stacy, the GL geologist, uh, weighs in and provided a map of the hazard risks due to earthquakes across the U.S. We oh. were wondering that because of chip manufacturing. Yeah. So she weighed in as the GL geologist. We're not in much risk here. We're not we're in okay. much risk. We're not in much risk. Who has the highest risk? Uh, California? Uh, well, the link didn't print out. I don't know what we got her. I By the way, the one who's at the top. California. The one who's at the top, Ken. One of the things Good stuff, that, uh, Vice President Sucher. <laughs> and let's go to Harris's response. Uh, the, the, uh, the fact that we have the one that here that manufactures it, then sends it to China, yeah. then brings it back, I guess. that's a little weird, isn't it? The right. threat of an earthquake is a threat that we're aware of. And... There's not much threat here in Minnesota. Give me a second, and you're going to get this. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Jesus Every Christ, day is she it stupid? is time for us to agree. <laughs> you know what I should do for all these little sound bites that I'm going to save from her? Yeah. At the end of it, I should add, excuse me, I'm speaking. Yeah. Remember when she did that yeah. to Pence at the, oh, uh, yeah. the debate? Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. It's on this date in Minnesota history. This date. January 14th. On this date in 1846, Stillwater's first post office was established with Ellum Greeley as postmaster. Hmm. Was, I bet uh, Greeley, St- Greeley Street was probably named after. On this day in 1850, the Minnesota Territorial Supreme Court opened for its first term with Judge Aaron Goodrich uh, presiding. Okay. That's where you get Goodrich. I bet. On this date in 1938. 38, okay. We're approaching World War II. The Halley Q. Brown House, named for the African-American civil rights advocate and suffragist, moved into its first permanent building in St. Paul, offering tutoring and day camps for children, as well as emergency food and clothing for needy families. The community center would later relocate and combine with the Martin Luther King Center in St. Paul. Okay. On this day, today, 1976, Sauk Center teachers ended a week-long strike after the Teachers Association and the school board ratified a contract settlement that called for a salary increase 
with an additional 25 minutes of supervisory time and provided teachers with no less than 250 minutes per week of preparation time. And more ashtrays in the uh, teacher lounge. Right. <laughs> Isn't that great? Can you imagine that you walked by the teacher lounge in school and it was full of smoke? Oh, it's yeah. like walking into yes. a VFW. Yes. It was awesome. That's the best part of The Simpsons. I know you're a regular watcher of that, Joe, is anytime they go to the Springfield Elementary Teacher's Lounge, it's just woof. Yeah. <laughs> On this day in 1993... Anne Bancroft of St. Paul reached the South Pole by skis, becoming the first woman to travel overland to both the North and South Poles. Uh, Okay. On this day, also in 1993, the movie Iron Will, a fictionalized account of a 1917 dog sled race from Winnipeg to St. Paul, opened nationwide. Albert Campbell, a Metis man from La Paz, Manitoba, won the real race, which was part of St. Paul's Winter Carnival, the first written account of any dog sled race detailed a trip from Winnipeg to St. Paul in the 1850s. My boys Mm. love that movie, Iron Iron Will. Will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't you cover that? Not not that long ago. uh, Oh, I covered one way before. I covered the Winnipeg to St. Paul snowmobile race. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Back in the 70s. How'd that go? It was the only sporting event I ever covered that I never saw. <laughs> I love that. Get in the truck and race to the stop and then stand there and listen for him to hey, arrive. Hey, what'd, what'd you think? All right. How Dave, are we getting quotes on that one, yeah, by the way? That's a tough one. Through the helmet. How many mailboxes did you knock down? Oh, about seven. <laughs> uh, Johnny, by the way, your earlier yes. question about Eddie Van Halen. No, yeah. Nothing on his ear, but I did see this story. If This is from the Daily Mail. Uh, Eddie Van Halen blamed his tongue cancer on the fact that he used to hold his brass and copper guitar picks in his mouth. I, I have seen that story before. Is that yes. true? He, I, I have no idea. I wouldn't think so. Because he was I, a heavy I, smoker, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a heavy smoker, yes. Okay. Thank you, GLers. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a fun Friday. Thank you, Mr. President and Vice President. <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody else. <laughs> Am I president still? Yes. Okay. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, okay. on Monday, we'll have some very special. It's going to be a very exciting show on Monday. Uh, Morose Monday? Mondays Morose need to be as exciting Monday. as Fridays. So we can do that. We'll do that. Hey, check out Pod MN. Tuesday. Pod MN on your smartphone, ladies and gentlemen. For all of your podcast needs, there's a selection, a great selection on Pod MN on your smartphone. Business now, let's go. YouTube, sign up on the Garage Logic YouTube channel. There's a lot of fun stuff on there. Make us uh, friends on Facebook, Instagram, uh, follow us on Twitter, and check out the online shop. There's some great deals right now. Close out. Winter sale. Crazy Eddie. The prices are insane. <laughs> what are you, fancy Ray? Yeah.